Well, good morning, church. Happy Resurrection Sunday. The scripture says in Romans 1 that Christ was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection out of the dead. There's a little formula that we follow as we teach the life of Christ, his death and his passion. That, that is this, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In the book of 1 Peter, it follows that paradigm. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Christ has died. Chapter 3, verse 22. Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Christ is risen. Chapter 5, verse 4, Christ will come again. And when the chief shepherd, Christ, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, the coming again Christ. So we celebrate the reality of the resurrection today. I'm going to be preaching out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 6 this morning, talking about resurrection emotions or resurrection attitudes. And my summary statement is this, it's because of the exceeding great mercy of the living God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been born again to a living hope, and that living hope is guarded in us by the power of faith. So living hope, faith. So the scripture says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the end times. The living hope of Christ, living hope and the faith that protects. This living hope in his glory and goodness is spoken of in Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, Paul says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. So, so it's, it's, this, it's this hope he speaks of that produces endurance and character and, 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 and a forward-looking faith. So we have living hope because... We believe there is a glorious kind of a father 
who tenderly watches over us and governs our lives and that an eternal glory awaits us in heaven. Therefore, we have a living hope because a gracious God, Abba Father, watches over us, governs our days, and heaven awaits. Because of that, we have endurance and hope and, and joy. I mentioned New City Catechism last week, I think it was, but question two says, what is God? You know, what, what is God? And the answer in part is this. It says, God is the one who sustains and creates everything or everybody and everything. He is eternal, unchanging, and infinite in his power and perfection, glory and goodness, wisdom, justice, and truth. He's unchanging, he's all glorious, and he's good. He rules us with wisdom and justice and truth. Nothing happens apart from his will, the confession says. So, so you see, that gives us a, a hope that endures. But it's, it's just, it's the hope of certainty. When we speak about hope in our culture today, people say, I hope so because maybe it will happen. I wish we used another word for hope in the scriptures because the hope of the New Testament is a certainty and a conviction based upon the promises and the character of God. So it's, it's, it's a hope that's certain, and it's a living hope. And I love the word living. It means vibrant, life-giving, life-enhancing, enriching hope. It's, it's a living hope. The word living is used throughout the New Testament. Let me just mention a few places. In, in, in Romans 8, it says, if you put to death the deeds of the flesh, by the Spirit, you will live. Live. It'll be enhancing and life-giving. Romans 8, 13, you'll live. Hebrews 4, verse 12 talks about the authority of the Scripture, the power of the Word of God. And it says this, for, for the Word of God is living and active and is sharper than a double-edged sword and it, it pierces to the division of the soul and spirit and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So see, the Word of God is not just there, it's just, it's, it's, it's living, it's, it's pulsating with power by the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it is alive. It's a living hope, it's a living word. In First Timothy chapter 4 and Verse 10, it says this. It says that, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people. So our hope is in the living God, the active God, the God who gives life and energy and, and passion to, to us. And, and, and Therefore, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we have a living hope that says, Abba Father governs my days today in love and tender mercy, and there is an eternity awaiting me. Therefore, I have a living hope. And if you, if you don't have this, if this doesn't rule your hearts, I've thought about the, there are at least two results. Even if you name the name of Jesus, number one, you'll be overly anxious. 
Now, I mentioned the last few weeks that we're all going to have anxiety because we live in a less than perfect world. And right now, during this crisis, there is a degree of anxiety. But if, if you believe that there is a God who may be there, but he's not in control and he's walked away and it's up to you, man, you're going to be overwhelmed with anxiety. But if you believe there's a great God who orders your life and you run to him and you open the scripture and you come before him and say, God, you rule and you reign and I trust you, then you quench the flames of soul-destroying, ultra-building anxiety. So we're in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis and we're told, wash your hands. I've washed my hands more in the last few weeks than the last 30 years. Don't touch your face. Wear a mask in public. Be very careful about being around people who, or all people, socially distanced with a six feet or 60 feet. Just stay away. I was out yesterday doing an errand and there's a big banner over the highway and one of those electric signs that says, Go home. Just stay away. And so we're told to do these things and to be careful and wash our hands. And, and, and then we're told that there are the vast majority of people who have COVID-19 are asymptomatic, which means that they show none of the symptoms of COVID-19. They don't have respiratory problems. They don't have fever. They don't have high temperature. They don't have headaches. They're just in the pink of health, and they're walking around infecting everybody around them. And you go, good grief, what do we do? And my answer is, we trust the Lord. If you don't believe that, if you don't believe there's a great God who watches over you, and that is your birthright, child of God, who stands at the empty tomb and says, he is risen. There is a living hope because Abba Father reigns. There's a living hope because heaven awaits. Therefore, we're not overly consumed with anxiety and dread. The second result, I think, without understanding the living hope, is, is what I've just referred to as the managerial elite. And the managerial elite are people that have a day system, and it's color-coordinated in 15 different colors. And they've got everything straight here and here and here. They've got three-month gold, one-year gold, five-year goals. And they've got this, this, this. They've got all the reminders on their phone. They've got it together. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and unless you go over the line and you say, I have this under control. I, I can do this. One thing about this COVID-19, to quote what Matt Reagan said to me this week, he says, this just shows you how fragile life can be. It's fragile. It shows us how dependent we are on the Lord. And so if you're part of your managerial elite, and some of you are, then, then, then this has collapsed your world. You can't make plans beyond really today or tomorrow. You don't know when the social distancing word is going to be lifted. You don't know what's going to happen after that. I've talked to some of our physicians, and they, they don't know. You don't really know when the apex is going to hit the Charleston area. You, you don't know, we don't know, but God does. So one result, though, of believing in the living hope is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, where verse 3, Paul says, we remember before our God and, Father, God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance, see, endurance or fortitude inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just, I've been meditating on that. One result 
of understanding this, brothers and sisters, is you just endure. Because there's a great father that watches over you, orders your days, and heaven awaits. You, you, you just endure. And so all over the world today, in small gatherings or by virtual churches, 1 Corinthians 15 will be read and trumpeted. It talks about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And Paul says it's of first importance. He says 500 men have seen the risen Christ. And he says if Christ is not risen, we are to be pitied more than all people because we believe that which is not true. And then at the very height of his argument, he says, therefore we stand at the tomb and the empty grave and we look at our coming empty grave, our coming death, and we say, oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And it's Paul's shaking his fist in the face of death and he's laughing at it. And he says, therefore... Verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. So, so one result of the resurrection of Jesus, the living hope, is this endurance that says, I'm steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In 1969, there's a movie released entitled Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford. It was a, a good movie in many ways. But anyway, it's a quasi-true story about some bank robbers, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who robbed banks and moved south as the U.S. Marshals followed them. And they went all the way to Bolivia. And three different times in the movies, they'd be, they'd be looking out over the plains from a, a butte. And they would see the marshals coming after them steadfastly all the way to Bolivia. And, and on three different occasions, they would look at them and say, who are those guys? Who are those guys? They just keep on coming. And when I think about that, I think about this passage, endurance. I think as, as we glory in the living hope, the resurrection hope that comes from the work of Jesus on the cross and by his resurrection and ascension, we have endurance birthed in our souls. And, and I want people to look at us in the months to come as we walk through this crisis and they say, they just keep going on because there's an Abba Father who loves us and he orders our steps and he's prepared a glory for us. Number two, Paul says, or Peter says, we're protected by the power of God through faith. I'm going to do this very quickly. It's very important. I want you to get this. They're protected by the power of God through faith. That Please understand this. Please hear me. The faith of the scripture is not something you work up. It's not something you say, believe, 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 whether it's saving faith or continuing faith. The faith of the scripture is not self-focused. It's Jesus-focused. It's cross-focused. It is about the glory and the goodness of Jesus. It is not about what I must do. I love a guy named Martin Luther. He died in 1546. He was a monk who worked hard to be a man who earned the favor of God. 
by his own admission as a fairly young man, Luther was about to lose his mind. He'd gone to Rome and seen the corruption of Rome. He came back to Germany crestfallen, disappointed, despairing. And he kept saying, how can I be someone who earns the favor of God? And he says, I I was driven to despair. And he was assigned the book of Romans to teach. And he said he kept beating on the book of Romans. And he came to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that, that says... For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and to the Greek. For by it, the power of God is revealed. And then it says this. He says, for is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Righteousness of God is revealed. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And Luther said, this this verse just destroyed me. He said, the righteous will live by faith. He said, I knew that I didn't measure up. He said, people would say to me, Luther, just love God. And he says, love God? Really? He said, in my heart, I said, I hated God because I could never meet these standards. And so he was reading a, a, a text that was the Latin translation from the Greek. And the Latin translation for righteousness means to make right. To make right. Therefore, there is this system that, that said you've got to do this, this, and this, and this to be right with God. And, and, and Luther, though, went back to the Greek. And, and the Greek word for righteousness means to declare righteous or to count as righteous. It, it, it's, in other words, it's not what you do, it's what Christ did for you. And Luther said, as I pondered that and thought about it, I saw that my right standing with God was not a faith that I engendered. It was a faith that was given to me. And he said, when I understood that I am saved by the work of Jesus and not my performance, it, is, it was just as if the gates of paradise had swung open for me. The gates of paradise. And I I think that should be our experience today. We have a living hope, and that living hope is protected by the power of God through a faith that looks to Christ, that, that glories in what Christ has done for us. Every other religion of which I am aware is about what I must do to make myself someone who is worthy of God. Islam, it's all about the five daily prayers. It's all about fashion during Ramadan. It's all about the holy trip to Mecca. It's all about giving some alms to the poor. If you study Hinduism, it's all about living this way so you'll come back in another life form that is a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and then you are absorbed into the universe. The same general concept of Buddhism, that, 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 that karma follows you. It's what you do to make yourself right. I was driving the other day and I saw people from the Mormon church, these young people walking down the sidewalk. And I thought there are some people working hard on a two or three year missionary assignment to make themselves worthy of the love of God. It doesn't work. See, my best days, the best hour of my best day, the best minute of my best hour of my best day needs the mercy and the blood of Christ. So I am protected, you're protected by the power of faith that looks to Christ. And that's why I say to myself, I say to you, for every one look at your sin, and we need to confess our sins. 
make 25 trips to the cross and glory in the goodness of Christ. And, and I say to you who have friends and neighbors that we just prayed for who do not know Christ, and some of them have said, man, it, it's too late. I'm not worthy. You see, when, when somebody says, I'm not worthy, they're real close to the gospel. It's never too late. And, and I say to you, brothers and sisters, say to those around you, faith is not something that I engender. It's a gift from God. And the way I maintain that faith is I look to Jesus. I run to Jesus. I run to the cross. Do not base who you are on your performance because you know what? Your performance stinks as does mine, so often. So that therefore, living hope, protected by faith. Resurrection, living hope, protected by faith because of the resurrection and the cross. The battle cry of the Christian in part, if we had a battle cry banner, it would be Romans 8, verse 31, where Paul says, what shall we say in response to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Then he asks another question. And he who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I was going to close the sermon differently until I saw the video a few minutes ago. What a wonderful video. Thank you, children, for participating. I appreciate the three children. I think it was the Preston children. Two of them jumped and one of them did not. The one that didn't jump was representing me. I used to be able to jump. I mean, I was vertical. Well, that, anyway. I used to be able to jump some. I don't jump anymore. You know what? That's okay. If I was going to do another video like that, if we do another video next Easter, I think I'm going to go to I think I'd want to go to some of the uh, retirement centers and see some of the really older people in our church that are some of my favorite people and have them smile with a beautiful smile through a broken body and wrinkled skin and say, he's risen. He's risen. Because there's living hope in that. Because if Jesus is risen, we go to retirement centers or we go to cancer wards, we go to places where people are dying and they know Jesus and we say, oh grave, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Because a gracious God watches over us and there's an eternal glory awaiting us because of the resurrection of Jesus. The world fights against death. The world denies death. The world thinks that death is nothing but a door that opens to a trap or a dark abyss or a nothingness or but we say Death opens the door to eternal glory. Therefore, death, where's your victory? Grave, where's the sting? Is swallowed up in the mercy of Jesus. Let's pray.
Lord, this day we thank you for the absolute mercy of the cross and the empty tomb. And we proclaim with joy that because of your great mercy, you have caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, a real historical event observed Hundreds of people observed the risen Christ. The apostles went to their death by cruel, some, some cruel death, screaming, he is risen from the dead. Martyrs throughout the history of the church have cried out, he is risen as they faced their own death. And, and to, so today, Lord, we have a living hope that's vibrant and life-giving and produced life in us, Holy Spirit. Produce an enduring, outside of ourselves, others-loving, sacrificial life. And protect us by the power of a faith that looks to Jesus, looks to the cross, looks to the empty tomb, looks to the resurrection and and the, the ascension and the interceding Savior. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen.